Welcome to Blaine Christ the King. You are listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at our campus location in Blaine, Washington. Thanks for tuning in. How are you? Good. Uh, how about that weather? Am I right, guys? It was raining so hard last week, I could see animals lining up two by two. I was actually very concerned. I got my floaties out and I was ready to go. Um, yeah, I'm going to be talking about prayer today and, and how it's really shaped my life and, and, and whatnot. And I think it's important to actually start with prayer before we talk about prayer. So let's do that. Uh, God, thank you so much for everything you do. I just ask uh, that you just uh, keep on me as I preach. I preach only truth, uh, Lord, that uh, your words. Um, and Lord, I just thank you for the time that you've given us. I thank you for CTK Blaine and what you're doing in this community. And we love you in your heavenly name. So I grew up in a, uh, in a church-attending home. Uh, it was just kind of regular for me to be able to go to church with my family. I was part of VBS. I was part of youth group. Uh, I wasn't necessarily the most popular kid at school, though. Uh, at middle school age, you know, I had friends. Uh, but I think when you're at that age, you have, like, a best friend. And this friend is, like, the most important person in your life. And you have to make sure that everything is invested and everything's okay with this best friend. And so I remember the first time my best friend was coming to my house, I'm like, okay, here we go. This is it. This is what we've been preparing for. He's going to come over, we're going to hang out, and we're going to have the best time of our lives, okay? So when he comes over to the house, you know, you have to kind of you know, show him everything about the house. And you're not trying to be too braggy, but you need to know that you have something that he doesn't. You know what I mean? You're trying to rub it in his face a little bit. So he comes over to the house, and, you know, the first thing I do is I show him the upstairs and downstairs. I'm like, yeah, I live in a two-story. I'm not trying to brag, okay? But my dad, he makes like $100 million a year. So he's really, really rich. Uh, if you look outside, we have a tree. And uh, attached to that tree is, uh, well, it's a broken swing, but, you know, we're working on that. And uh, actually, I don't know why there's leaves on the ground. I told my mom to clean that up. Let's just go back inside for a second. <laughs> you come over here. You see that I have a Sega Genesis. I like to keep up with the times. I have uh, 15 games. It's a lot. And uh, if you look over here, I have the Lord of the Rings box set. Uh, it's a $10 value. I can spend $10 wherever I want because of allowance. What do you have? You have a $20 allowance. Okay, that's, uh, that's more than I do. And so I remember I do the whole braggy thing, and then dinner comes, and we get to the table and whatnot, and, you know, we, we sit at the table, and uh, I, we thankfully had pizza because if my mom had gotten salad, I'd be like, ugh, this is just embarrassing. Are you kidding me right now? Salad? Okay, well, so she had pizza, so we were great. So we sit at the table, and uh, we get uh, everything ready, and then my friend is about to just reach for the pizza. My mom goes, ah, 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 we're going to pray. And he does like this. Uh, okay. And like he kind of like sits back, and then we all fold our hands, and we close our eyes, and we start our prayer. And my mom is praying, and I look over at him, and he's just kind of like eyes wide, like not knowing what are they, who are they talking to right now? Like, what are they doing? And I remember we do the whole prayer, and then finally when we're done, you know, like we all start reaching for the pizza, and he's like, can I, can I get the pizza now? Can I just reach? And we finally eat dinner and whatnot, and so we do the whole dinner thing, and we go back, and uh, he, he catches me alone, and he's like, hey, uh, what was that? And I was like, what? He goes, 
prayer. What is, what is this prayer? I was like, oh, it, it's just, you know, we just pray before we eat. He's like, who are you talking to? I was like, God. <laughs> He's like, you, how often do you do that? I was like, oh, all the time. He goes, why do you do that? I go, well, because my mom told me to. And he's like, uh, I guess. And this was actually the first time where I started to go, why do I pray, actually? It was the first time I started to ask these big questions about my faith. And so I go to my mom, and I'm like, Mom, what is praying? What, what, why do we pray? And she goes, well, it's drawing near to God. We have this beautiful ability to communicate with our Father at any time. And I was like, that's awesome. And she goes, that is awesome. Now go clean your room. So the Lexham Bible Dictionary describes prayer as communication with God, addressing God directly, uh, petition, entreaty, supplication, thanksgiving, praise, hymns, and lament. So that was Bible word puking at you. I'm going to break down what those words mean. I had to myself in uh, just a minute. So when we think about communication with God, we think about verbal prayer. You know, we cross our hands and we close our eyes and we talk out loud to God uh, in our mind, or just out loud in general. But what about the times when we don't have the words, in times of despair or, or, or devastation, and, and we just have this moment of tragedy, and all there is is a cry of the heart or, or a groan of pain? Scripture says that in this moment, the Spirit sees you and will interpret to God as your intercessor. If we approach our Father with genuine vulnerability, then we are heard, whether it's a word or cry. Petition. One powerful aspect of prayer is that we can bring our requests to God directly. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. The most important part of these two actions is it centers on involving God. God wants to be involved in your decision-making so that the end result leaves you in His will. Lament and entreaty. In our prayers, we have to remember that God is not just an ATM where we can select what we want and then just leave. He's a caring father, a loving father who wants to hear more than your demands. He wants to hear your help for plea and comfort. When we transition our perspective from from how we can get to excuse me, from what we can get to how we can grow, asking from God becomes more relational. I've definitely done that myself. I've definitely found that there's more times in my life when I'm praying when I'm like, just give me what I need so I can move forward from this situation. And he goes, no, I want you to grow from this situation. And I go, why? And he goes, because that's how you're going to grow from this and learn. And I go, Fine, okay, fine, I'll do it. Supplication. When we do approach the King of Kings, creator of all, Abba, Lord of Lords, with the humble spirit and acknowledge his authority and our ask, that is supplication. Thanksgiving. Not where you get to eat a bunch of stuffing and turkey and then rethink your whole life and sit on a couch and fall asleep at two in the afternoon. Not that Thanksgiving. One of the most important parts of prayer is entering with a thankful heart. Placing our thankfulness before anything else ensures that we recognize His generosity. Every good and perfect gift is from 
our Father. Praise. Out of a thankful heart brings praise, which is an expression of worship that recognizes and acknowledges God as the ultimate source and giver of all good gifts. Kind of like the praise we heard this morning. Good job, guys. I'll keep you around. You're not fired. Um, I don't have that power, but I do have the microphone, Tyler, so I can kind of make these decisions. <laughs> um, hymns. Songs or poetry? It can be found in the Psalms. Has anyone heard of this little section, Psalms? Yeah, okay, good, good, because there's 150 books of Psalms. I like to think when they approach Dave, they're like, hey, we're thinking about writing this book. We think it might change the world. Uh, why don't you write a five or ten? How about I write 150? Well, that's a lot more than I thought you were going to say, David. I think we can fit you in the book somewhere, maybe in the middle. Um, David uses his talents as another way to praise God. The creative gifts God has given us can be used for his glory, whether it's drawing, writing, singing, building, or even dancing. These gifts can be a form of prayer within themselves, except if I dance. You don't want to see me dance. God's like, wow, you are such a good drummer, man. I made you <laughs> just stick to your talents. So now that we have a good old-fashioned description of what is the literal definition of prayer, what does it actually look like, and how do we pray? Matthew 6, 7 through 8 tells us not to babble or use hyper-religious language, no need for pagan reputation. Many words does not mean you're heard more. Uh, to give historical context, the Pharisees or rabbis of this time would actually go on the street corners and they would pray loudly so they would be seen or revered by their fellow man. And uh, what Jesus says, what that looks like, is you look like a fool in front of God and I don't want to look like a fool in front of God. So what he actually says is when you do pray, go in the privacy of your home or like a closet and, and then you pray. So that's what we're going to do here at Blaine. We're going to have our own little prayer station. It's downstairs in the food pantry. We'll all take numbers and we'll all have our chance to pray. That's sarcasm for the people who are looking at me like, is this guy serious? <laughs> what Jesus is actually talking is our heart posture. It's okay to pray in privacy, but he, what he wants us to do is actually be genuine when we're talking to God. He doesn't want us to be seen, or he doesn't want our acknowledgement to be of this world. He wants our acknowledgement of, to be from him directly. Jesus is talking about, excuse me, are you seeking honest communication with your Father, or are you trying to appear righteous and gain worldly affirmation? Let's check our heart. Not having the right words doesn't mean you shouldn't pray. God has already provided the words in his book. We have the ability to praise scripture back to God. Biblical scholar Gary Wines said, as a result of praying these biblical prayers, we find it increasingly easy to come in agreement with the spirit of God concerning his nature and his agenda. We begin to desire what he desires, confident in his ability and bring it all to pass. Also, as we pray the prayers of scriptures, we find it easy to come into unity and agreement with other believers. We are not praying for our own agenda or the success of our own programs. We are not praying for our political convictions to be established as the norm. Rather, we are focused on the establishment of his rule and reign, and that is an agenda with which all believers are in agreement. Our mission is not to further CTK Blaine. Our mission is not to push Republican or Democratic parties. Our mission is not personal prosperity. Our only agenda 
above any other alliance is to further God's kingdom. When we speak scripture back to God in our prayers, it shatters the possibility of ulterior motives and leaves only room for his truth and his will. This transition should not only transform our way of praying, but how often we pray. I think we can sometimes overthink prayer or lose sight of the importance of it. God has called us to pray every day at all time. It's a constant conversation. Okay, God, I'm up. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to be? All right, Lord, I'm in the grocery store. Lord, speak to me right now. How, how do you want me to be? Forgive me of my sins. It doesn't have to be this overcomplicated thing. It can be a very personal, honest conversation with your father. It's letting him guide us through the Holy Spirit. Not only should we be praying all the time, but we should be praying for all things. Sometimes we focus our prayers on the highs and lows. We praise him when things are going good and wowed by his blessings, as we should be. Or we cry out for, in a desperate situation. I found that the challenge comes between the highs and lows and the plateau periods, the Monday through Friday when life is just being kind of just moving. Everything is just basic. We question where God is at and what should we be doing. It feels like there's no growth or change. These are the times when we need to press in and listen for that still, small voice because change is happening. God is working in you even when it's hard to see. God is working in you even when it's hard to see. It's funny, this past week it happened to me actually because I've been actually doing really good in my walk, in my season, and I, I haven't really necessarily felt anything. And this is when I actually felt this pull from God because I was like, man, I'm doing, God, you're like doing so well for me. Like, I, I don't feel sad. Like, I feel really good. And, man, I got to do all this stuff. And all of a sudden, I felt this conviction. I was like, why? No, I don't, I'm, I don't feel bad when I'm feeling good. I feel good when I'm feeling good. And he goes, no, 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 no. I'm glad life is going well for you, but are you actually taking time and actually investing deeper into my word? Are you actually praying longer and stronger than you should? I said, sort of. And those are the times when we have to really jump in and really get deeper in the word. Because as I said, we are changing. Lean into his spirit. Lean into his will. I can promise you that he is moving in you today, and it's your job to seek it out, to ask him and to lean into his will, whatever he is building, leaning back into the will of God, praying in the spirit and allowing God to make you his new creation. So how do we pray? Is there a song and dance we can look up online or on YouTube? There isn't. Yeah, There is not. I looked it up, and uh, wow, the internet is weird. Um, <laughs> there is, however, a literal step-by-step -step guide given by Jesus in the Bible. It's called the Lord's Prayer, and it's found in Matthew 6, 9 through 14. In this prayer, there are many moving parts, so I want to break them down for you. It starts off in verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Unlike the verses prior, where he tells us not to babble and we'll look like fools in front of God, Jesus gives us a positive example on how to pray. He begins with prayer with addressing the Father directly, our Father. It becomes a one-on-one conversation with God. He uses the name Father. It's a title that shows affection and his desire for close relationship with us. He then uses the adjective hallowed, which means revered or counted holy, addressing God with appropriate recognition of his power. We, when we enter into prayer with God, we need to begin with recognizing his sovereignty. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many times have we prayed to God to benefit ourselves instead of to benefit his kingdom? Pretty often. I know I I do a lot. I mean, that's something that I do probably on a daily basis. I don't necessarily think about the kingdom. I think about, I'm like like one of those horses, but those things just trotting in front of myself. You know what I mean? I'm just thinking about what it can benefit me, how I can do well, how I can do well, how my wife and I can get, you know, move into a house or a car. We think about all this stuff instead of how we can be used by God to help build his kingdom. Directly after addressing the Father, we are called not to ask, but declare his will be done. We see this when Jesus was arrested and about to do the suffering that is crucifixion. He falls to his knees and says, not as I will, but as you will. He surrenders fully to the will of God. I think it can be very easy to stray away from the will of God, and frankly, because it's scary. It's a very unknown place to be. We love the security of the control we have, yet in our prayers, God is telling us to fully surrender over our plans, ideas of the future, and even our lives. Verse 11, give us today our daily bread. Has anybody here uh, read the Narnia series, Magician's Nephew? Wow, okay, I'm not the only nerd here. I like it. That's great, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I actually didn't read it. I heard it over an audiobook. That's how lazy I am. And old. Taylor and I have gotten so old. That's the idea of a good time. Hey, babe, why don't you put on an audiobook and we'll play some Scrabble? <laughs> Maybe later we'll watch the Andy Griffith show. That's a good time. Anyways, there's this, uh, there's this part in the book uh, where these characters stumble upon this lion, and this lion is singing over nothing, and then something starts to happen, and this something is the creation of Narnia. C.S. Lewis creates this really beautiful, majestic creature, the lion, and he calls him Aslan. And Aslan is the most obvious example of God and his power. While these two characters are watching this happen, they, they see his power and they, they want to ask him for help. And there's this one scene, and there's this dialogue that goes on between them that just really stood out to me. And one of the characters goes, wouldn't he know without being asked? And the other character responds, I've no doubt he would, but I've sort an idea he likes to be asked. Most of us would agree that God is all-knowing, but how often do we forget that we have free will, and while he may know, we need to ask. God tells us in Matthew 6, 8, your father knows what you need before you ask him. But in the next few verses, he tells us to pray for our needs. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, God commands us to pray continually. That means we need to pray a lot. 
Prayer is God's way for us to receive what we need from him. This portion of the prayer is basically asking for the real needs that we have in this life. Now, compared to the rest of the world, here in the U.S., a fair portion of us don't often find ourselves desperate for our next meal. This U.S. is a country where most of us live in abundance of the physical things we need to survive. Food, water, clean air. What are the real needs we pray for today? Money? How can we pray God's will for our resources when we live in a state of abundance compared to the rest of the world? How can we bring our needs before him in a way that surrenders our needs while also allowing him to dictate what those needs are? One thing I have learned to pray is, Lord, show me what I need. Finding contentment in God's provision while also praying for his will over your daily essentials. How often do you pray and ask God what he thinks are your essentials? And how often do we pray for something we qualify as a need but is really a want? I want to challenge you today to lean into God's will for your needs. Part of praying his will is making sure our asks are in alignment with his perfect understanding. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. We are called in prayer to forgive others because he has forgiven us. It's as simple as that. It's a regular and daily thing, not just when there's an offense or something big happens, but every day. We may even need to forgive the ones who will never apologize. Right? That's the biggest swallow of pride ever, man. There have been times when I said, no, 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 I'm not moving until this person moves first, okay? Yeah, no, 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 no. He needs God. She needs God more than I need God right now. That's not what he calls us to do. How many times have we offended God, and instead of addressing the issue, we have buried it or sought out other devices to simply ignore it? Forgiveness is so vital to our well-being that God made sure to frame it into our prayers. And if we are praying at all times, then we are always forgiving. If we are praying at all times, then we are always forgiving. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now in this petition, the children of God pray that they be kept from every occasion and object of sinning, from those sins they are most inclined to, that God would not leave them to Satan, the evil one. The Greek word here references evil, but also evil in many forms. And their own corrupt hearts, nor suffer them to sink under the weight of temptations. Hardship in a general sense. Of any sort but that in hardship, that they may have a way to escape and be victorious over all. Deliverance can come in several ways when you're praying and brought from temptation or hardship. I've prayed this prayer myself. Actual exemption from trial, the way to escape, or strength to bear it. Temptation can come in many forms and affects everyone differently. We as a church body have to recognize our weaknesses and sin-filled nature when we continue to build our Father's kingdom. With each of these components of prayer in mind, let's dive into the power of prayer. 
When Taylor and I first got married, we went through some serious trials. I had just gotten back from D.C. Uh, it was a sales gig. Um, and, you know, so I, I got back, and we were freshly married. We're in a brand-new apartment. I didn't know a single soul from Adam. I, uh, I you know, we had all this stuff, and, and I had... Everything was kind of starting to make sense, you know. I think when you're first in the marriage, you're like, I get it. I understand marriage 110%. I'm going to be the greatest husband of all time. And then you're just like, like, you just hit with this bunch of stuff. Like, oh, my goodness. Like, what? How? Oh, this isn't supposed to happen at all. But when you're in marriage, everything starts to make sense. And so I had this job, and Taylor's going to school full time. And uh, about a couple months into marriage, I, I'm, a, I'm awoken by this phone call. Taylor's at school, and it's my job. And they say, uh, we're letting you go. And I was very tired, so I thought maybe it was a dream. So I'm like, good morning. Uh, I'm sorry, what did you just say? And they're like, we're letting you go. And I said, why? And they said, it's just not a good fit. A couple of days later, to make matters worse, I'm not kidding you, a couple of days later, I get into my car to find that it does not want to start. To find that we brought it to the mechanic, and the mechanic's like, yeah, this thing's dead. Wow, can't believe it even lasted this long. This thing is done for, man. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a job. I'm married. I'm in a new place. I'm in an apartment. Most of our finances are going towards Taylor's school. It's a very scary place to be, and I remember being completely angry, and we were left in a place of complete faith. And I remember being so angry and looking towards the heavens and going, God, you need to give me a job because I need to be able to provide for my wife. And you need to give me a car so that I can have transportation. God, please give me these things. I need it. I need it because, because I, I just need it. And it was this place of complete desperation. And it was the biggest and boldest prayer I've ever done. And I've never talked to God like that before because I feel like you have to be gentle in your prayers. But it was this, this moment of, I need these things. Two weeks later, I was able to meet someone at my church who was able to show me everything about the trade he was doing. He hired me, and he, because of him and because of everything he showed me, I have the job I have now. Then a couple of days later, Taylor's aunt calls us and tells us she's going to sell her car to us for a very humble price, and it's still working to this day by the grace of God. I tell you what, it is a beautiful 99 Toyota Tacoma, if you guys want to look outside. <laughs> Romans 8.11 tells us that we have the spirit living in us that raised Jesus from the dead. That's power, and if this power lives in us, aren't we called to use it? I think we are afraid and even hesitant to pray big prayers because it feels like we're being controlling or demanding. Or maybe if it's too big, a bit too big of an ask and we put it in, in front in our true vulnerable side and we just we, we, we bring our true and vulnerable self up front and go, God, please, this, this is what it is. We're afraid that those needs won't be met. And so we're afraid to even do that. I've done this myself and what I found why I don't pray these big prayers except when my back is against the wall is because I just don't ask for big things. I stick to my routine of crossing my hands and closing my eyes and say, God, keep on me today. Thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you for this. Let me have a good day at work. Let this week go by really fast. Amen. That's all I do. We stick to our cookie cutter routine. 
We are his children, and he wants his children to be bold. He wants us to ask big questions, to grow our faith further than it is so we can live boldly. The weight of prayer doesn't depend on the situation. It depends on the call in our hearts for the Spirit to move. To quote Albert Tate from Willow Creek Church, little prayers bring little power. No prayer brings no power. Big prayer brings big power. Sometimes we don't have the stamina to pray for ourselves in these big ways. In these times, we need to have someone to stand in the gap for us. We need to have someone to intercede with wholehearted and bold prayers. And all these things, as you pray for yourself and others, if you take away from one thing today, let it be this. We want to have our lives aligned with God's will more than our own desires. His will be done. We'll close on this final thought. What inhibits prayer? We see in Matthew 5, 23, 24, Jesus says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with them. Then come and offer your gift. Prayer is a moment of self-reflection and spiritual offering. However, in this intimate moments, God asks us how healthy our hearts really are. We ask him if we have offended him and ask for forgiveness, but how often do we ask if we have offended one of our brothers and sisters and if we have forgiven them or ask for forgiveness? God is not interested in our offerings if we have unresolved offenses because he is infinitely better pleased with repentance than sacrifices. Referencing back to when I was talking about the Lord's Prayer and asking for forgiveness, I said we have a tendency to bury our wrongdoings with other devices or simply try to forget. God does not bless your avoidant coping mechanism and literally tells us to get up from where we are and go and find the offended party. He wants a healthy heart, an honest offering, and unity among his body. Asking for forgiveness is uncomfortable but so was the cross. James 4 mentions, you do, not, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend time what you get on your own pleasures. We can ask for the right things with the wrong motives. I can pray for our church to expand to be the biggest church in Whatcom County. We can have the gr biggest sign of all time, and it could just be flashing in people's windows all the time. Come to CTK Blaine. That's the right idea. It's the wrong motive. If I pray, the heart aligned with God's motive is for our church to expand so that more people can come to the Father and more people can find hope. That is when we receive our ask. So who do we want to be? A church who tiptoes around the authority we've been given? Or who prays big prayers? Who intercedes for others and accesses the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead? Let's pray. God, I want to be a church that prays big prayers. I want to be a church that is continually going to you in times when 
it's not easy to go to you. Lord, I want to be a church where we have a healthy community, where we can have authentic worship, authentic prayers, and authentic walks. Lord, I want to be a church that is on fire for you and that is willing to simply just die to our pride and say, no, God has to be first. God has to be the center of it all. So Lord, I just ask you to just keep on us in our prayers as we continue to move forward in this community, that we, we continue to pray big and we know that you, when you are in control, Lord, you can do wonderful, beautiful things. Amen.